This podcast is for you if you want to learn about the wonderful and wacky world of the English language and the people who speak it. If you want to learn English, speak English, and understand different speakers of English, then you're in the right place and you're going to love our podcast episode today. Welcome to English World with Chris Americos. We are a team of language lovers, expert teachers, and native speakers who are on a mission to help people around the world speak English and show the world their true value. We correct mistakes, practice pronunciation, and explore grammar rules while drinking coffee and having fun. So get comfortable, relax, grab a pen and paper, and welcome to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by English Every Day, an unlimited speaking practice program where you can join live speaking practice lessons with professional native teachers five times every day. There are a lot of courses on the internet and a lot of useful videos too, but the one thing that is missing for most English learners is practice. And if you need speaking practice, then English Every Day is for you. So click the link in the description or go to chrisamericoast.com to learn more today. Well, today we're here with Colin Monroe, and Colin, tell us a little bit about how you got started in English teaching and YouTube and all of that. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Well, on how I got started on YouTube is actually happened a lot earlier than when I, how I got started on uh, with teaching. Yeah, my background is, was filmmaking. That's what I studied at university and what I what I did for the first few years of my career. Um so I graduated university in 2002 with a film and video production degree. <laughs> um, and I went to work for a company that did visual effects. So I worked on one, uh, a couple of the Harry Potter films. Um, wow. And um, yeah, then I left there and I started, started my own sort of video production company with a couple of friends from university. Um, and um, this, so this is all before YouTube before youtube was around this is like yeah. this was 2004 but it was about when youtube launched so when youtube launched i remember i i first heard about it from this like uh 15 year old kid that <laughs> was in a band that we were doing a music video for <laughs> and he was like oh it's on youtube i was like what what's youtube and uh this is 2006 remember so you know you you can forgive me for for not knowing if if you didn't know what youtube was now it'll be very different but um, so yeah, uh, I did that, but I started to get a little bit, uh, tired of kind of make, making videos for other people. Um, you know, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, making great money either. So I decided to sort of travel for a bit. And my, my dad is from Paraguay in South America. So I decided to, to, to visit Paraguay uh for a few for a few months and during those few months i decided i wanted to go for longer so i, I actually came back to the uk did a celta course for uh teaching english because that was what i was planning to do when i went to paraguay so i went back uh sort of put filmmaking behind me temporarily um started teaching english and then after a little while the two things inevitably came together and that sounds uh, that sounds so similar to my story i you know i didn't yeah. have heritage from russia but i became interested in in russia and russian people and so i went over mm. there for a few months and i liked it and i needed to find a way to get back but the only job i could find because i didn't speak yeah. russian was teaching english so i did a celta and then had the job there and that's so cool that it worked like that for you too and tell us a little bit more about what it was like to work on the Harry Potter films. So well, I know you were I know you were behind the scenes there and and yeah. working on effects and stuff, right? Is that is that right? The one I worked on the most was the the, the third one, the Prisoner of Azkaban. And the company that I worked for, uh, we did the Hippogriff, if you're familiar with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a lot of other, there was a lot of other visual effects, but we just did the the Hippogriff. Um now when I say I worked on I was I was one of the runners so my job was basically to go around and collect the dirty teacups from the people who were actually doing the work uh -huh. I didn't even make the tea I just collected the dirty teacups <laughs> but you were in the <laughs> so I was, I was very learning from what oh yeah doing. yeah yeah um so yeah that was that was great 
Um, and there's some interesting things I can tell you, actually. Uh, if you've read the books and if you're a big fan, then you'll have read the and you've read the books and seen the movies, then you'll know that there was a big fight between uh, one of the hippogriffs in the book uh, and one of the, and a werewolf character. Because in the book, there was three hippogriffs. In the movie, they cut it down to one because one was enough work. <laughs> um, there was a big fight. And then, but in the movie, they just sort of growl at each other. Um, that's because the company that did the werewolf was a, a completely separate company. Uh, so they couldn't really appear. Well, for them to appear in the same frame was a lot more difficult than you would think. So I think mm. there's only like one shot where they're actually in the same frame. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny how a sort of business affects the creativity of things. Absolutely. Um, like, like that. Yeah. Uh, I also, on this, at the same time we were doing Troy. Oh, okay. With, with Brad Pitt. Um, yeah, we did all the boats on Troy. And there was a, a Thunderbirds movie at this around about the same time. We did all we did all the spaceships on that. And that was directed by uh, Jonathan Frakes, who was the um he used to be one of the actors in Star Trek. Um so got to uh, hang out with him a few times, which was great because I used to be a huge Star Trek fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Um, and so you were telling us that you went to Paraguay, you kind of fell in love with teaching English or at least living in Paraguay and using English as a job. And then that transitioned yeah. to YouTube too. And so, so, yeah, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So to be honest, it wasn't really a plan. I wasn't planning. I'm going to start a YouTube channel and make, you know, start making regular videos and things. Cause it wasn't really, even then it, that was 2000. It was probably around 2010, 11 when I started the channel. Um, but I remember there was one thing that that really kicked it off. And and you'll know how in every sort of um, language uh, institute that you have the sort of phonetic chart poster on the wall of every classroom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in, and in South America, people don't really use that. I think that's more useful in countries where, where well, maybe if, they they have a more phonetic alphabet so it's or maybe and maybe their alphabet is a different alphabet so they're not so familiar with it um and they are more familiar with things being more phonetic um but yeah so i thought i wanted to kind of understand this and at the same time youtube launched a feature called the annotations which they've now got rid of um and I saw, and, and that annotations allows you to select a certain part of the screen and make that clickable. Uh -huh. And that could happen any time in the video. Now we've got the end screens, is, which sort of replaced annotations. Um, and uh, yeah, I decided to make a, a video of the chart where you could click on part of the vid part of, part of the screen, and it would take you to the part of the video where it makes that sound. Yeah. Um, and that kind of that did really, really well because the video itself was about five minutes, but people would click on the buttons, which would jump them, jump them back and forth. And they would spend more than five minutes watching the video, which if you know, I'm sure you know about um, the YouTube algorithm and things like that. And uh, so that, so that sort of hacked the retention, you know, the uh, watch time. If, you, if people were watching more than a hundred percent, you know, watch time. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that video started to just do, do really, really well. And it wasn't really, it was just an experiment really to try and, uh, to do something a bit different with that, with that, uh, feature that YouTube had. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I, so, so, you know, then I started building an audience of people who were interested in phonetics. So I then went ahead and made a video on, on all the, all the different sounds and, um, another video explaining the chart and how it, how it works and the logic behind it um, and sort of went from there. And to this day, sort of my channel, most people watching my channel are interested in phonetics, but um, that's really, you know, down to just me experimenting with that. It's not really what my uh, expertise is. Um, so yeah 
<laughs> Although I've become kind of an expert, I suppose. <laughs> but but really, everything that's in my video, I, I learned everything to make the videos. It wasn't that I was making videos about what I already knew. Aha, uh -huh. I got it. Well, I think a lot of people would see your channel with 200,000 subscribers and would say, wow, that's a really successful channel. There's a lot of creators who are struggling to get the first couple thousand. And so what do you think your secret sauce is or, or, you know, like <laughs> what was it that, that catapulted you to 200,000? Well, that's a good, well, it's partly what I, what I said, how, how that video hacked the algorithm in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, even though YouTube's got rid of that, that feature, that video still, still gets views, even though it doesn't really work anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you just got to keep, keep at it. I suppose I've, I mean, time is, you got to be patient. You know, this was, we're talking more than 10 years ago when I started the channel yeah. and it's been, and I've had kind of distinct chapters of where I've been working on it intently and then, and then I stop and then I come back to it and try something a little bit different. Um, so yeah, I would say you've got to think about it in the long term. You're not, it's a long-term project and you, and, and, you know, don't be afraid to kind of put it on the back burner for a while and come back to it with, you know, but always try and learn from, from what you're, what you're doing and think of ways that you can, you can improve what you're doing. And if you keep doing that, you know, you, then you'll, you'll, um, you, you should start to eventually get some traction because yeah. if, when you, if you first, when you first put out a video, especially nowadays, you know, no one's going to watch it or it's going to, it's very difficult to get an audience. It's very difficult to get things started. Watching an uh, interview with Mr. Beast, where he says, you know, if you start a channel, commit yourself to making a hundred videos. And don't expect anyone to watch them. <laughs> but, you know, with every video, try something, try something, try and learn something and, and do something better every time. Um, so I've, I've met a lot of people who they want to start a channel. Um, but then and they learn all these things that, that you, you can do. And, you know, there's so much information out there now that you get sort of analysis paralysis and you think, oh, I, I can't start now because I don't have the right lights, or I can't start now. I don't have the right camera, or yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how to do good thumbnails or whatever, you know. So there's just there's just so many things that you that people think they need all of them to start. Yeah, but you mustn't think like that. Just you know, just start and and get gather those things as you go. That would Absolutely. be my advice. Oh, for for me. Absolutely. It's just time, time, time. Um, you know, our channel is kind of uh, different in the way that it it grew mostly because of ads, because we had a mm. good product to sell. And by running right, ads yeah. channel, we gain a lot of subscribers that way. So probably more than half of the subscribers on our channel came from that. And a mm. lot of times I'll meet people who say, oh, I, I'm not subscribed to your channel, but I saw all of your ads. And so it's like, um, the channel hasn't been the main focus so much, but, uh, but it's a good platform to communicate with people who, who are interested in what you want. So it's a good business. Platform. Yeah. 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 And that's good. I, I, I'm thinking of starting a, another channel soon, um, on a slightly different topic. So I know I'm thinking of doing some pay-per-click just to to, you know, to promote it and, and get the ball rolling a bit faster. Um, mm -hmm. But, but if you're starting, if somebody wants to start the first, the first channel, I would say, I would probably re not recommend doing that because, you know, there's a lot to learn first and the best way to learn is to start putting stuff out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have so, to make the content first and yeah. make sure you get some traction. And, and, and then understand sort of some the analytics on on the back end yeah. that um you, you, so once you you've got your uh click through rates 
Because if, if your click-through rates are low and you put money into that, then you're just throwing the money away. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, click-through rates and retention are the two sort of numbers on the analytics side that you need to get to a good good point um, before it's even worth putting money into. Yeah. And, and yeah, if anyone is watching or listening, thinking <laughs> growing your channel with ads, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I just want to be clear about that. Like, I'm not talking about paying money to grow the channel. I'm talking about paying money to sell a product on my website. Right. And those ads have to run from an account. And so the ad, the ads run from our channel's account. And because it runs from the channel's account, some of the people who see the ads click over and check out the channel and subscribe. And so it's just a byproduct of selling a product. And if you're not mm. selling the product profitably, then it doesn't make any sense to run those ads. So basically our channel grew because yeah. the ads paid for themselves with the first purchase of the product. And so it was basically free to collect that audience. Um, mm. And so that's like, if you can get that, if you have the products that can sell on the front end, then yeah. you can a ton of money into it and and as a byproduct you become well when you can set a budget for it and yeah so uh, yeah you, you know you've covered those costs mm. but learning more about you know your channel and how it connects to your business it's it we're really touching on personal development now right yeah yeah so i mean because i was i've been thinking about this uh everyone learning english as a as a foreign language is doing so for a deeper a deeper reason you yeah. know i mean i mean people just they do you know it's good just to know another language but if people are actually investing in it it's, it's normally for their career or for immigration purposes or you know for you know, uh, to study abroad or, or something like that something um, life changing yeah yeah so it's so it ties in with personal development as well so i think it's good to to know what those reasons are um you, when you when you're working with a student um because it's it you know it's that's the broader motivation for it and yeah. sometimes i've i've worked with students um one on one who in their first email they'll they'll say They'll say one thing, but then once I have a few classes with, the, with them and get to know them a bit better, the re the real reason is a bit different. <laughs> yeah, um, I've seen that too. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, and a lot of students just don't even know that they have like they've never really thought about that about what the deeper reason is. Right? You, you get a lot of people with yeah. certain level of reasons saying, "I just want to be fluent," or "I just want to," I want people to, I just want to talk with people, or Right. And, and sure. That's like how the problem presents itself, but there's something deeper there for each person. And yeah, yeah. I think it's important to get at that. So how do you uncover that? I don't know, really. It, it's something that it uncovers itself. I think if you're working one-on-one -on -one, in a class, it's a bit more difficult. But if you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone and it's something that you're thinking about, it sort of uncovers itself. Uh, so I, I, I had one, student recently and he said he wanted to improve his pronunciation but after a few classes and talking with him and he was like yeah because it's for work and it's like okay so what, what sort of thing at work it's well i'm i sometimes have to do presentations because and his english and his pronunciation was actually quite good but what we've ended up studying a lot more is actually presentation skills that's how it what it's evolved to yeah so it it turned into more like specific skills that he needs for his job yeah yeah and and that's not something if someone wanted to in, 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 um you know work on presentation skills they wouldn't necessarily come to me it's not something i've ever advertised uh, but it is something i've studied a bit as well because of the videos and things so i have been able to work with him on that as well so that's been quite fun <laughs> Cool. So coming back to YouTube, do you think it's more of an education platform or an entertainment platform or a business platform? Because I see people using it. I mean, I guess ideally for all three purposes, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all those things and more. It just depends on what you, what you want at, at any time, you know? So, um, I mean, YouTube, I think is like the, 
what the second most popular search engine after Google. It may have even overtaken Google itself as as you know just as a search engine itself because you know sometimes people whatever they're looking for they'd like it to be presented to them in a video. I recently saw an article with the data that showed that people are searching now more on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. So they're mm. searching within social media platforms more than on search engines. And this is yeah. mostly about like Generation Z, millennials, that they've made this shift. And so yeah. for businesses, it's like SEO on those platforms is just as important as for your website now. Yeah, yeah, and SEO is is also obviously very important on on YouTube. It's one of the things. Yeah, but that's one of the things that people get bogged down by, and and then it's a reason that they don't start because there's so many, so many different strategies and different ideas, and people feel like if they don't understand it all, then they can't really get started. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose if if you were I guess it's important to understand to to know if you're making a video for education purposes or if you're making it for entertainment purposes because it, obviously it'll be very different but also from a search engine optimization point of view um for an education video you're probably going to want to target specific keywords you know relating to your your topic whereas entertainment um you know, then you just want to grab people's attention, uh, you know, to entertain them. The, the specific keywords not so important. Um, uh, but then, but then again, you know, I think all of those things sort of. There's no fine line between edu education and entertainment on YouTube, because if you don't, if you make a, an education video and it's not also entertaining, and not you know, no one's going to watch it. They'll, they'll yeah. find another video. There's so many YouTubers now. Yeah. teaching english um that uh you know it's it's not like it's so it, it's it's almost impossible to find a topic that no one's that no one's done before yeah um you know back when i started you know i was pretty much the, the first person to make videos about 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 phonetics and so that's partly you know that that's partly why i became successful um but yeah, nowadays it's so much harder uh, to, to find something new. So you've got to do something better. So you have to be as entertaining as possible. Yeah, or, I think a lot of people get lost yeah. in this void between education and business because even the viewers, even the students, they go there and they want this educational value when they're learning English. And yeah, they'd, they'd love for it to be entertaining. So sometimes we see that a more entertaining person will be bigger and uh, more successful on the platform than someone who is maybe a better educator or teacher. Hmm. But then the business element, it's kind of this thing where people expect the educators not to do business or a lot of the educators themselves kind of view business as like a dirty word. And so there's this, this, difficult area to navigate between education and business sometimes but what, what do you mean business by business on youtube you mean people like for example mean... we take a like a, a giant channel like five million subscribers and they have their courses their products and the things that they're selling in addition to putting out educational videos right so someone might go there as a subscriber just to get the educational content but then they see these offers and then do the offers actually help the student do the offers actually get them the result that they wanted or you know these kinds of questions so um maybe they followed that person because they wanted to be educated but now here they are buying products and it's like another element of the same creator same business but um that line sometimes people don't like it like how many times have you seen somebody goes through there's something offered for free they go through it and at the end yeah. there's an offer and then they're like you said it was free <laughs> right so, this feeling yeah well it's the typical sales funnel so right. thing. you have your free stuff that you put out and you should get seen by a wide audience and then you have them click through to a free presentation and then some of those will will, will buy the the products at, at the end you know at the end of it and 
but you know people have to have to make a living um but then again there there are a lot of teachers just making videos on youtube and on social media on the side and they're not really maybe they make a little bit but not necessarily they're not necessarily living off it i mean so i'm not living off of it um 100 um i'm hoping to i'm i'm hoping i'm having another sort of push now and um, I, I, I talked earlier about how I've had different chapters where I've had tried out different strategies. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm sort of entering one of those now <laughs> where um, actually, yeah. So I mentioned that I started this video production company with two of my friends um, years ago, 2006, that was, and I'm actually gone back to them now as a, as a client. And um, instead of doing all the video uh production myself i'm gonna hire them to do the the post-production and editing and designing what everything that's going on in the background in my videos amazing um yeah because it was getting to the point where by the time i'd sort of written the video and um done done the filming and everything by the time it got to editing i just wanted to get it done yeah and whereas that's a point where, you know, because I can now hand over to them at that point, they're able to then start, you know, with a with a whole sort of fresh fresh eyes and new enthusiasm and inject uh, another level of creativity exactly. into it. So I'm hoping that's going to make a really big difference. I think by the time this uh, podcast goes out, the first few of those will have um, will be live. So awesome. Well, then we'll have to include a. <laughs> To it under under this episode definitely Great. yeah um yeah the, fir- the first one of that n- new chapter is gonna is a video i'm doing on state verbs okay yeah, so, you'll, so you'll see the difference between the videos before the state verbs video and after the state verbs video this brings up another you know interesting question a lot of people who are teachers kind of think i'll just record myself teaching something throw it on youtube because i'm such a great teacher it's going to be gold. It's going to go viral. Um, what are some of the other skills that people have to learn to to be effective teachers or educators through YouTube or or just on general or just online in general? Yeah, I mean, if you just filmed yourself teaching a class, I don't think that that's not going to work because, I mean, where's your your focus? So your fo- you'd be focusing on students that are in the room. Um, which could work, but I would think you'd need to sort of have multiple cameras and someone editing between you and the and the and the students, and they'd have to sign release forms. So that that would kind of to do to make that work would be kind of a big production. Um, but yeah, and so in terms of how different or what the skills are, um, I I guess talking to a camera is. In some ways, it's a lot simpler than talking to a classroom full of students. Yeah. But I guess in other ways, it's quite intimidating and uh, it's quite difficult because you got no, you get no, you feedback. know, yeah. no, feed, no feedback, nothing to, you can't, you, at least when you're in a classroom, you can, you can look at your students and see if they, if, if, if they're engaged. Yeah. Whereas and I don't know if, if you're just looking you. at it. I don't know if it's happened to you, but it's happened to me and other creators I've talked to. But when you first make that first video or or whatever, you hear your voice, you see your face, and you're like, oh, that's terrible. It sounds terrible. I have to redo everything. Yeah. That with you? Yeah, a bit. But it's been such a long time that now I'm 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 very used to it. And even before um so this isn't my first YouTube channel. So when I was when I had the video production company, we we sort of had our own channel as well on the side, which is called Giving It a Go. Uh-huh. We used to keep chickens in our garden, and we so we used to make videos all about that. So I was quite used to being on camera. Um, but having said that, there is still sort of a a barrier to you know, a psychological thing. Like mm-hmm. to, to, once I get started in 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 a filming session, because I normally try to film two or three at a time um then then it's great but then it but there's always something 
that holds me back. It's not, I wouldn't call it nerves, but it's a sort of, um, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like a, something psychological that just makes that makes it hard to get started. But once I do, you know, then it just flows. Even now, after, you know, hundreds of videos on this channel, more on other channels as well, it's, it's, it's not that I'm nervous of being on camera. It's just, um, it's partly that there's a lot of things you've got to get organized and, you know, it's not just pressing pressing record. I feel like I have to really be in the right frame of mind. Yeah, you know, to to pre to present in a sort of entertaining way. So, how would you but, describe the English teaching as a foreign language kind of community on YouTube? Because you've put out videos, you've got some feedback from the platform, and you've seen what other people are doing. Do you think this is a positive thing that's going on, or? <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, but it is quite difficult because there's lots of people from all over the world and they all speak different languages and things. Um, my experience has been mostly, yeah, m mostly positive. Um, I know that other people have had some issues, um, but I think that's that's definitely part of being on social media. One of the ugly side of social media is that there is... Um, there is a um, you know a lot of a lot of abuse and and people on line it does bring out the worst in people in a way when they when they can hide behind their keyboard um however i personally especially on youtube it's been mostly positive on instagram i i i mean i don't really do instagram very much but when i did um i got a, a lot more negative stuff there than i do on 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 youtube um they didn't like the in crumpets or or what did you post there? <laughs> um no i was just doing similar thing i was just doing sort of shorter versions of um you know videos on the phonetic sounds but um yeah just i guess generally the tone of the comments is um you know a bit it's very different i think on youtube maybe people are looking to be educated i mean maybe back then it was it was more so that um youtube was more of an edu well it's what's well, not an education platform but it's the but people were using it more for education whereas instagram was far more to be entertained but no, on the whole i think it's it's very positive yeah um it's difficult to, to sort of build a community though because like i said it is very everyone is spread all over the world um yeah. And um, but I think I can definitely do a lot better at that. I do have a Discord as well, and I have um, a few people in there. Um, but I've not been very good myself, um, so that's something else I need to improve. At, and uh, you know, staying in touch with those people. Mm -hmm. uh, so, do you think yeah. it's healthy to have competition in this space, teaching English on YouTube? Yes, definitely. I mean, and it because it's. I feel like with with most people, it's um, we're all trying to help each other. It's not. It doesn't feel like competition, um, and it's not like if I watch, if somebody watches my video, they can't watch your video as well. Right. You know, all of all our videos are out there for free, you know, uh, so people can watch both. People can subscribe to both our channels, and they should <laughs> um, subscribe. You know. <laughs> Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> um, I having having this conversation with uh, pronunciation with Emma. Do you know her? Yeah. Channel? Yeah. Well, she's saying that she's had some some people who do hold back. She she's met some teachers that do sort of hold back and they don't like to collaborate and and things. Oh yeah, I've met things. a lot of those too. Mm -hmm. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the thing that has surprised me more recently is channels going after other channels. So uh, publishing like mistakes that other people are making and making a name for mm. yourself that way. Like, how would you feel if someone dedicated their channel to pointing out your mistakes in your YouTube videos? <laughs> I've made mistakes and people love to point them out in the comments and everything. And I think, it, I, I think it's kind of hilarious that people do that, especially when this is a video that's like 10 years old. Yeah. And a hundred people have pointed out the same mistake before you. Like, what's what is you? What's the point? You know. And it's not like I can go back and change it. Um, yeah. 
yeah, people so will demand think, to remove it. There's a mistake, so you have to remove it. What do you think I, about that? I, I mean, I think that it, as long as generally the video is mostly helpful yeah. more than unhelpful, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna leave it. Um, you know, and I'll, and I'm, when I say maybe so, these are mine, minor things, you know, typos, stuff like that. Um, but if somebody, if somebody created a whole channel dedicated to, I mean, unless suddenly I realized that I was doing something completely wrong all, all the way along, I think, you know, I think I, I'm confident enough that I'm, you know, 95% or more right about most things that um if somebody did that that i don't know i think it would be a f I, I hope i would take it as a form of flattery okay um but but, but I, I don't know has someone done that to you no 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 this is actively <laughs> happening to someone else and it's a big discussion um, right among different uh creators on yeah. youtube but creating a whole a whole channel about it i mean you, you can i can imagine and I've thought about doing reaction videos uh -huh. to um, not so much other teachers to point out their mistakes, but other but people who don't have English as a first language to kind of, you know, not cor well correct their mistakes, but in a, in a constructive way, you know. And I definitely, I mean, if they didn't like it, I'd take it down, and um, I'd probably reach out to them first and say, "Hey, is it okay if I I do this?" Um, yeah, <laughs> you're a gentleman. You'd do it. You would do it that way. <laughs> yeah. So, so I suppose yeah, there is there is a sort of nastier side, I suppose. But I, I've I've been lucky that I haven't um, had any, well, not any major negative experiences of that yet. That's good. Yeah, I think there's a lot of positive, and sometimes the negative gets too much focus. But you know. <clears throat> had a great experience on youtube also i think if creators are having that experiencing that i mean it you should try as much as you can to just ignore it because yes. you know if you're, you're probably having a much more positive impact on other people that you don't hear about um, but then people do you know you hear about the the negative side of it, and you, and you get a very imbalanced view of what's going on. Yeah. Or, or even if you, I'm sure that if, even if you had ten positive comments and then one negative one, people are going to remember the negative one. <laughs> it's what it's it stings more, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Try try to to be to have a balanced uh, view and and to let the positive comments affect you as well as the negative ones and um mm -hmm. but try not to you know let the things get to you and fo just focus on what you're doing um that's what i would say to the to so not to harp on the, the negative but another hypothetical situation okay so imagine that someone made videos or claimed that you're not actually from the uk like it's clear they listen to your voice and they say they tell people it's so clear just his accent he's not from there he's there's no way that he's how would you react to that um like sure it's I funny i don't think i would i don't think i would why would i react to that it's so yeah. dumb <laughs> <laughs> right. um yeah like and i in fact i may well have had comments like that saying that um that uh, you know, and I, 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 I look through my comments, and um, you know, I reply to the ones that are worth replying to, especially if it's something that's going to add value to other people who might read it. But um, if somebody said something like that, I don't know. I mean, what what's the point of replying? Is it's not constructive? It's not going to help anyone else. It's probably not yeah. going to help them. It's not going to help yeah. me. Uh, I'd probably just ignore it. I might even delete it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so I guess these questions come back to these two concepts that a lot of English teachers are discussing, which is native speakerism, 
mm-hmm. you know, focusing on native speakers over non-native speakers and all of the prejudices that come along with that, um, whether whether it's true that it's better with them or not, like people discuss this a lot, right? And then the other yeah. one, um, you know, prescriptive grammar, telling people that these are the rules and you have to follow right? So a lot of students are out there looking for error correction and want people to correct their mistakes, but um, they're attracted to these videos that say, hey, don't do this, or that person is wrong. And it's like a form of error correction, but this assumes that we're forcing some kind of rules, that that there's this idea of correct and incorrect, and, um, and trying to apply that to every situation, right? So on the native speakers, yeah. how do you feel about 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 that? Like, I'm sure people have come to you and said, "Well, it's better for me to study with a native speaker." Yeah, I definitely had that. I mean, I can. I guess it depends. If if that's what people want, then that's fine. But I think, especially at lower levels, it might even be better to have a teacher who has the same first language as you. Um, but then again, people learn in different ways, you know. So I've known people who, like when I lived in in South America, I'd meet people that would you know come as as to do a bit of teaching but also because they wanted to learn spanish and some of them could just sort of immerse themselves with lots of spanish speakers and just kind of absorb um you know through like through osmosis and (laughs) but i'm i'm not like that i'm just i just don't understand anything and it, it it it's you know i need to sort of study and understand the grammar and and things like that. So I think pe- different people are wired in different ways. Um, but I do think that the whole uh, native speakerism uh, idea you talk about, yeah, people in, people do over overestimate the how if it, that it, it being much better to learn from a native speaker. But perhaps at higher levels, when you're when you already you know if you're just focusing on pronunciation and and things then then maybe mm-hmm. um, but i think there are some really great teachers on on youtube um who and some great youtubers who 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 make videos in english when english is not their first language um there's one girl i've been watching a lot of her videos recently i think she's called yuri yuri hanna something uh she's um she's sort of uh half japanese half something else uh, but she's made she makes really good videos and she doesn't really try and teach english but she does talk a lot about her experience of learning english and and lots of other languages she's sort of a polyglot uh, mm-hmm. so so she's got a lot of tips for for learning english but at the same time although she speaks excellent english she does still make quite a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. so um I'm considering doing a reaction video uh, to her, um, not to criticize, but to help. You know, yeah. Does that answer your question? Like, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I wonder when you said that with lower levels, it might even be more effective for them to study with non-native teachers. I wanted to give you a virtual high five because <laughs> I've said that to people before too, and they're like, "What? Nobody says that." and I'm thinking like every native speaking teacher should know that because I've just seen so many situations where there's someone who's a beginner, they don't know anything really, and they get thrown into a classroom with a native teacher just because that's a native teacher. And mm. it, it's just painful. But, to but you know, it, out in, in countries like Paraguay, where I was, that's the selling point. And yeah, these schools, yeah. they run their businesses. And if they can say, oh, we've got a native speaker, you know, that that gets that sells them more more places in their classes. Right. Um but that's just that but belief not, they're in the market. Yeah. It's marketing. <laughs> yeah. So coming back to the idea of grammar and correctness, incorrectness, this whole idea of prescri- Yeah, well that does tie in with the whole native thing as well, because a lot of native speakers, they don't know the difference between past perfect and the present, you know, past yeah. simple. You know, they don't even know what the, the names of the tenses. In fact, I, I was in, I was doing this sort of volunteer teaching thing, and I, I wasn't teaching that night. But you know, and this is people coming to, to teach who don't re- who haven't really taught. They're not teachers. And this girl came, and she was teaching about the tenses, 
and she was just talking about past, present, and future. Uh-huh. And I was like, and she was saying things that were just so wrong. <laughs> you know, she's a native speaker. She could speak perfectly well, and she did know English. She just didn't know what she knew, and she couldn't explain it, and she was explaining it completely wrong. And I could tell that the students were sitting there. They knew far more about the tenses than she did. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's more than three tenses. You have just a native speaker who's not uh, a certified teacher or a qualified teacher of English as a foreign language, right? Yeah, or you don't even need to be certified. You just need to, have, um, you know, know, know a little bit about what you're talking about. And this is why when I first started teaching, you know, I did my sort of CELTA course, which was like four weeks. It's quite intense and I learned a lot. But then I learned a lot more in my f- first year teaching just from the textbooks. You know, yeah. and a lot of the time, you know, I was just a couple of pages ahead from the students. You know, <laughs> that's all you need to do. And this is and this is the advice I gave would would give to um, new teachers that sort of come over from the UK and were just thrown in the deep end. I would just say, look, just let the book teach. Yeah, and you just guide the students through it. Make sure you know what you know. You know what you're teaching in that lesson well. And and just but just you know the book's been written by experts, um, so you you just just let the, just let the book do the work. Yeah. Um, and which book were you using at that point? Do you remember? Um, well, we used Headway a lot, um, but then we used some other ones that were more geared to the other Cambridge exams, um, uh-huh, like New English File. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Um, and yeah, one's geared towards the proficiency exam and the, um, you know, the other um, Cambridge ones. I'm a bit out of touch with that area now, but yeah. yeah. So a lot of times, uh, students will want to learn all of these rules, and it's kind of ironic that they want to study with the people. They want to learn the rules of the language so that they can speak with people yeah. who have forgotten the rules of the language. Or who never and, knew they just learned well, the language naturally yeah. <laughs> and never so, knew, yeah it's ironic because then they get into this mentality of i have to learn these rules apply these rules and then they hear native speakers making mistakes left and right and using different variations yeah. maybe it's not a mistake maybe it's just a local you know regional dialect or accent or way of speaking and they get thrown off because it's so much nicer and easier when someone says, here's the rule, this is right, this is wrong. But in real life, that's not really how it works, right? Yeah, exactly. And I just, I mentioned that my my, my next video is going to be one on state verbs. And that's, that's a, a great example of where um, there are rules, like if it's a state verb, you can't use it in the present continuous. Right. But it's I a rule that break Yeah, I'm loving it. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, it, yeah, so that's an example of a rule that people break all the time. Um, or there are idiomatic, ex- certain idiomatic expressions that break that rule. Um, right. But I still think it's good to know the rule. It's good to learn the rule first and then learn which, which, which yeah, what, what the exceptions are. Um, and yeah, I talk about that a little in the video about how... Um, Yes, you know, you, you can break the rule, but be careful. Otherwise, you just sound wrong. Um, right, because there's rules so, so I, about how you can yeah. break rules. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, to say, oh, you know, oh, we break all the, we break the rules so much that we don't, there's no point in learning them, I think is wrong. I think yeah, that's probably You need to start. Yeah, you need. So I am quite. And my videos do focus on grammar rules and 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 things um partly because that's the way my brain works you know i'm quite logical you. <laughs> um you know that's the sort of thing i would like to have for when when learning spanish or, or another language um but like i said there are other people i met other people who just throw themselves in and and, and they come out the other side speaking spanish i i wouldn't do that i'd just come out the other side stressed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to have the rule foundation too. Like when I was learning Russian, I was thrown in and like I started to pick up some phrases and some words from being in the environment, but 
then when I started to actually go and look at some of the rules, everything started to click like, ah, that's why that yeah, person yeah. was saying that like that instead of this other way. And now I'm, so, and that's the mistake that I made. And now I know the rule and, um, yeah. you have to have some kind of foundation. I, I've met people yeah. who learn English that both ways too. You've got the people who are just laser focused on rule, rule, rule. And typically it manifests itself. Like they have to think a lot, a lot before they speak because they're trying to mm -hmm. find the rule. And so they have like this barrier of producing the language because of the thought processes that are happening. Whereas you have the people who yeah. have the other problem on the other side of the spectrum who just talk, 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 talk. And it's like, they don't even receive any feedback from what's happening around them. They're just trying to produce so much. And it's like, you need more of those mental processes yeah. happening here. Well, I think we, we tend to be either, either to on one side of that scale or the other. Yeah. And what, we need to do is push ourselves towards the middle. Yeah. Uh, so if if we are very logical and we like the rules and everything, yes, that's that's good. But we need to push ourselves out there to to talk and make mistakes, and and learn that way as well. Even if that's let not so comfortable for us. And the other way is true as well. If we, you know, just like to talk, 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 and it's it's also i mean i think a lot of the time those people end up yes they end up being able to communicate but they make a lot of mistakes um and people but people don't correct them because they're very fluent uh, yeah but you know so it's good for them to sort of push themselves to learn the grammar and things as well and maybe to, slow down in their production of the language yeah yeah just to, to to look at the logic of it. Hmm. Absolutely. Colin, thank you so much for, for being here today. Tell everybody how they can find you. Well, main place would be on YouTube. Um, the If you search the English Language Club, you, know, you should find my, my channel. Um, um, yeah, I think that's probably the best the best place. Awesome. Uh, and we'll make sure you su subscribe yeah, and uh, you'll get my other videos <laughs> awesome yeah check out colin's new videos that are coming and he also has a new channel coming so that's going to be exciting to, to see too uh right you, you mentioned that earlier yeah that's going to be a different thing that's going to be more about um personal finance uh with a particular focus on sort of uk personal finance so yeah. uh there may not be so much audience crossover but if you are interested that in that um the best thing would be to sign up to my mailing list, um, which you can do on my website. There'll be a link on, on all my videos to, to how you can sign up to my mailing list. And I'll probably mention it there just in case there's some people interested in both. Excellent. Yeah, we'll put all the links under the video or under the episode. Um, and we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to English World with Chris Americos. Now, it's your turn. Don't just listen to English, speak English with us every day. Join our English Everyday Speaking Program today. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.